this is the final curtain call episode of why I left church, religion, and Christianity. Many church people are taught to live a life of lying. For example, they're taught that certain aspects of earthly life, the one we're living in, to be sinful, but they secretly engage in what they're taught is sinful. For example, there are many church leaders that will tell any church that alcohol-free bars, bars, saloons, beer gardens, beer halls, biker bars, brew pubs, catena, cider houses, cigar bars, coffee houses, dive bars, fern bars, gay bars, honky-tonks, ice bars, azayakas, juice bars, wine bars, toddy shops, tiki bars, taverns, tea houses, pubs, western saloons, bins, rat scaler, rat scalers called curios, Ozuries, Ozuries, nightclubs, military officers clubs, military military officers clubs, Jumax, juke joints, and bloodhouses and boticums and desi pubs are all sinful places that no one in the Christian world should ever frequent. However, a lot of church people secretly frequent alcohol-free bars, bars, beer gardens, beer halls, Biker bars, brew pubs, catinas, cider houses, cigar bars, coffee houses, dive bars, fern bars, gay bars, honky tonks, ice bars, azayakas, juice bars, juke joints, G-Max, military offers clubs, nightclubs, auxuries, pubs, pulcarias, Rat scalers, she bins, Western saloons, tea houses, taverns, tiki bars, toddy shops, wine bars, blood houses, boticums, desi pubs, dive bars. Micropubs, slide 
grog shops, speakeasies, hide houses. They're taught that all these places are sins, but they frequent all these places. Basically, in a nutshell, they're taught that all drinking establishments are sins, but they secretly secretly frequent all drinking establishments. And it gets worse. A lot of church people are taught by church leaders that pubs, bars, nightclubs, parties, live music, concerts, cabarets, theater, cinemas, shows, adult comedy shows. And the movies are all sinful places that no Christian should ever find themselves in. However, secretly, a lot of church people frequent pubs, bars, nightclubs, parties, live music, concerts, cabarets, theater, cinemas, movies, shows, and adult comedy shows. A lot of church people are taught that going to spoken word poetry events and open mic nights are sinful, but a lot of church people secretly frequent open mic nights and spoke the word poetry. A lot of church people are taught that the nightlife is of the devil, but a lot of church people secretly indulge in the nightlife. A lot of church people are taught that casinos are of the demonic realm. But a lot of church people secretly frequent casinos. A lot of church people are taught that playing the lottery ticket will have you condemned to hell. But a lot of church people secretly play the lottery and hope that they have the winning ticket. I also want to say that a lot of church people are taught to are taught to hate other denominations that are not the denomination that they're a part of. Basically, you have Christians who are taught to feud as well as beef with other Christians. You have Christians who are taught to despise and dislike and disrespect other Christians if they do not feel the same ways about scripture interpretation-wise as they do. So you have church a lot of church people who are taught that 
basketball, volleyball, rugby, water polo, soccer, handball, lacrosse, cricket, baseball, football, tennis, hockey, swimming, rowing, sailing, drag boat racing, and mountaineering and track and field are all sinful activities. So you have a lot of church people secretly playing basketball, volleyball, rugby, soccer, water polo, water polo, handball, lacrosse, cricket, baseball, football, tennis, hockey, swimming, rowing, sailing, dragon, boat, racing, track and field, and mountaineering. You have a lot of church people who are taught by their church leaders that basketball games, volleyball games, rugby games, water polo games, handball games, soccer games, lacrosse games, cricket games, baseball games, football games, tennis games, hockey games, swimming games, rowing games, sailing games, drag boat racing games, track and field games, mountaineering games are all sinful games to attend and to cheer on. But you have a lot of church people who are secretly attending baseball games, volleyball games, soccer games, rugby games, water polo games, handball games, lacrosse games, cricket games, baseball games, football games, tennis games, hockey games, swimming games, rowing games, sailing games, drag boat racing games, track and field games, and mountaineering games. You also have a lot of church people who are taught that playing cycling and attending cycling games are all of iniquity. But you have a lot of church people who secretly attend cycling games and they secretly play cycling games. Basically, church people are taught that a lot of church people, uh, correct, self-correction, a lot of church people are taught that teams, all team sports, all individual sports, all organizations, associations, and, co and coalitions, and all professional leagues, and all types of school leagues, and all types of coalitions, and associations of team sports, individual sports are all devil-pleasing. A lot of church people secretly watch the games, play the games, and attend those. All those team sports, individuals associated with them. Even though they're taught that all those things are of the Azimuth. They still indulge in them anyway. And when church people, whatever, a lot of church people, whenever they secretly indulge in something, they lie about attending it, they lie about playing it, they lie about watching it, they lie about enjoying it. And it's the same thing when it comes to the nightlife and all the drinking establishments. They act as if they'd never do those things, but they do them every chance they get. And you have a lot of church people who are taught that Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics are of uh, the enemy, but 
They love the Summer Olympics and Winter Olympics and they they watch it. They even go. They may even try to play. Yes, it is that extreme. I, I kid you not. You do have Christian extremism and you're getting a taste of it with Christian nationalism. I'm a lot of older people who will, who will listen to this episode will appreciate me doing this episode because that's how a lot of older people in the Christian world grew up. And it's going to get more extreme. So, for example, you have a lot of church people who are taught that Roman Catholics, Charismatics, Pentecostals, Arminians, Calvinists, Denominational Baptists, MTV, Television, HBO, Secular Radio, Contemporary Christian Music, Christian TV, Pagan Holidays, Rock and Roll Music, Country Music, Long Hair on Men, Short Skirts on Women, Pants on Women, Shorts on Women, Smoking, Alcohol, Hollywood, Atheism, Secularism, Humanism, Pluralism, Socialism, Communism, Liberals, progressive, Democrats, Bill Clinton, liberal Christian colleges, female preachers, effeminate male preachers, effeminate men, hen-pecked men, haughty women, psychiatry, church members who disagree with the pastors, marital sex, extramarital sex, abortion, Christmas, Halloween, Easter Bunny, World Council of Churches, National Association of Evangelicals, Billy Graham, the NIV version of the Bible, the NASB version of the Bible, the NKJV version of the Bible, the RSV version of the Bible, the ESV version of the Bible, the NLT version of the Bible, the Living Bible. Dancing and car playing are all Satan-inspired sins, right? But you know what a lot of church people are going to do anyway? They are secretly going to watch as well as attend Roman Catholics. Charismatics, Pentecostals, Armenians, Calvinists, Denominational Baptists, MTV, Television, HBO, Secular Radio, Contemporary Christian Music, Christian TV, Pagan Holidays, Rock and Roll Music, Country Music, Long Hair on Men, Short Skirts on Women, Pants on Women, Shorts on Women, Smoking, Alcohol, Hollywood, Atheism, Secularism, Humanism, Pluralism, Socialism, Communism, Liberals, Progressives, Democrats, Bill Clinton, Liberal Christian Colleges, Female preachers, effeminate male preachers, effeminate men, pinpeck men, haughty women, psychiatry, church members who disagree with the pastor, marital sex, extramarital sex, abortion, Christmas, Halloween, Easter Bunny, World Council of Churches, National Association of Evangelicals, Billy Graham, NIV version of the Bible, NASB version of the Bible, NKJV version of the Bible, RSV version of the Bible, ESV version of the Bible, NLT version of the Bible, the Living Bible, Dancing Card Playing. So whatever you tell a lot of church people to do, they're going to do the exact opposite. So if you tell men, no, you can't have long hair and be Christian, a lot of Christian men are going to wear long hair. If you tell a lot of women, hey, you can't wear short skirts and be Christian, a lot of women are going to rock their short skirts. If you tell women, no, you can't wear pants and shorts and be Christian, they're going to wear their pants and shorts. If you tell women and men, because they're heteronormative, 
You can't watch television. You can't listen to contemporary Christian music. You can't watch Christian TV. You can't watch secular TV. You can't watch secular movies. You can't watch contemporary Christian movies. They're going to watch them anyway. If you tell Christians, a lot of it, not all of it, but this happens. If you tell a lot of believers, no smoking and no alcohol, you know what they're going to do? They're going to do smoking and alcohol. Hey, you can't preach and be a woman. That That's going to cause more female preachers, though. You just gave them a reason to do the exact opposite of what you said. Hey, as a Christian woman, they'll tell believers, hey, you can't appreciate atheists. You gotta stay away from them. Look at these atheists are saying. I'm gonna spend time with them anyway. You can't be a humanism and be Christian. Oh my God, your humanism reminds me of Jesus more than this lousy church I go to. You're gonna do it anyway. Hey, you can't like Bill Clinton and be saved. Bill Clinton helps me get closer to Jesus. They're gonna do it anyway. If you say no, you can't be Christian and support AOC, Alexandria. Ocasio-Cortez. You know exactly what they are going to do. They're going to go, how can we support AOC? How can we support Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez? That's what they're going to do. Hey, you know what? You can't go to liberal Christian colleges. You know, I'm open to the Bible not being perfect. I'm going to go anyway. Hey, as a male preacher, you can't be effeminate because we think that's gay. A lot of men will go, you know what? I actually think gay men are cool. And I can preach and not come off super masculine. I'm going to do that. It, it's, it never works. If you tell a lot of believers within church, a lot of churches, you can't support Bernie Sanders with the Warren. Oh, man. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders' website. Man, I feel the burn. And um, I love Elizabeth Warren because she's got a plan for everything good she wants to do. They're going to like her anyway. That's why the whole... I question, like, if you tell a lot of believers, hey, no dancing, they're going to go dance. Don't play cards, they're going to play cards. Hey, you can't celebrate Christmas and Halloween and Easter Bunny. They're going to enjoy Christmas, Halloween, and Easter Bunny. Whatever you tell them not to do, they're going to do it anyway, and they don't care how you feel about it. Weird. That's going to make them question everything they've ever heard. Hey, you can't watch HBO. Wow. I saw the real time with Bill Maher. He makes me laugh. Hey, you can't like Denzel Washington. 
and be and Angela Bassett and 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 be Christian. Wow, they're my favorite actors, and I still love the Lord. In fact, a lot of Christians have been taught that county fairs are evil, but they secretly go to the mainland. That carnivals are evil, but they secretly go to the mainland. That amusement parks are evil, but they secretly go to the mainland. That public parks are evil, but they secretly go to the mainland. They should be going to beauty salons, barbershops, but they secretly go to the mainland. Um, that restaurants and restaurants are evil, but they secretly attend both mainlands. That they shouldn't be a part of LGBT culture, but they are anyway. Isn't there heterosexual distribution? Well, I'm still though. Let's say you told, let's say a church leader told a lot of believers, you can't be a drag king, you can't go to drag king shows. You know what they're going to do? They're going to be drag kings and go to drag king shows. Now, you can't be a drag queen. You can't go to drag queen shows. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go to drag queen shows and be drag queens. No, you can't support rainbow flags and pride parades. They're going to be the main ones hooping and hollering for joy at pride parades and with their rainbow flags. That's why the concept of you know, don't sin. It never works. It never works. Because in their mind, it's not a sin. That's why I go and lie about it. If you, if a lot of church leaders will tell a lot of believers, you can't, you can't, you can't go to neighborhoods and gay villages. You know what they're going to do? Wow, I'm going to keep shopping at these gay villages. You know, there's frugal prices here. And these gay people are so amazing. I want to support them. Hey, and, and these gay hooks. Hey, can I move here? I need to save some money so I can live here. Because it's, it's, it's peaceful. It's, you know, it's calm. And, you know, everybody's chill, everybody's nice. I want to live here. That's what happens in the Christian world. And if you told them, as a church leader, you can't attend Pride events, you know what they're going to do? Snap selfies at Pride events and, and snap group photos with people they just met at Pride events. And if a church leader ever told a lot of believers, you're not allowed to be a gay icon. You know what they're going to do? Be gay icons. And if a lot of church people have been told, which they have, that they can't have gay icons within pop culture to appreciate. For example, they would be told, no, Britney Spears is evil. Madonna's evil. Mariah Carey's evil. Beyonce's evil. Judy Garland's evil. Cher's evil. Donna Summers evil. Lady Gaga's evil. Kesha, Keisha's evil. Kylie Minogue's evil. Diana Ross are all evil. You know what a lot of church people are going to do? 
I'm, they're gonna celebrate all the gay icons that exist. And yes, they're going to become Britney Spears fans, Madonna fans, Mariah Carey fans, Beyonce fans, Judy Garland fans, Cher fans, Donna Summer fans, Lady Gaga fans, uh, Kesha fans, and Kylie Minogue fans, and Diana Ross fans. And they're going to attend all their concerts. And they're going to try to make sure that the front row seats they get on stage and meet these people, especially back with backstage passes. Happens in church all the time. And if you told these church leaders these things, they'll have a hissy fit. Oh, I'm telling you that. They're having his fit because of me, which I think is cool. So, let's say a, a lot of church leaders told a lot of believers, you can't be gay-friendly. You know what they're going to be? They're going to be extremely gay-friendly. If you told them, hey, it is a sin that places, policies, people, institutions... Are those that are open and welcoming to gay and LGBT plus people, you know what they're going to do? They're going to make sure that they frequent in secret places, policies, people, institutions, are those that are open and welcoming to gay and LGBT plus people. Yeah, those church leaders are not helping themselves at all. It is that extreme. I... I I, I, I'm not lying about this. It, 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 it's a problem. And um, it gets worse. If you tell a lot of church people, as a church leader, you can't smoke tobacco, they're going to secretly smoke tobacco and hide it well. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them will, will be able to. Um, if you tell a lot of church people, no alcohol drinking and no narcotics using, you know what they're going to do? They're going to indulge in the narcotics, hide it well, but not all of them. And they're going to secretly enjoy these narcotics, and they're going to drink the alcohol in secret, hide it well, but not all of them. And if you tell church, a lot of church people, church leader, no dancing, no gambling, no dating, no attending movies, no going to sports, no taking long vacations from work, and no sleeping more than your health required, um, and no eating pork. You know what a lot of these church people are going to do? They're going to eat the pork. They're going to dance. They're going to gamble. They're going to date. They're going to attend movies. They're going to sports. And they're going to take long vacations from work. If you tell a lot of church people... You can't attend sex shops, sex movies, and strip clubs. You know what a lot of church people are going to do? Attend sex shops, sex museums, and strip clubs.
and speaking of that, let, let's talk about something that a lot of church people have been taught to shy away from that because this is not happening. So, this is what I have to say. And yes, I'm going to get this all out right now while I have breath and while I have time. Please bear with me because I want to make sure I tell you more of the truth. So, a lot of church people are wicked, fearful, even their kindness is cruel. They don't understand justice. They are covered with violence. They're bent on evil. They put up a bold front. They are brought down by calamity. They hate those with integrity. They do not endure. They lead others into sin. Their, their conduct is devious. They plot violence. Others hide when they rise to power. They are unconcerned about the poor and all of the oppressed people in the world. They detest the upright. They, they're swept away and they're trapped by evil desires. A lot, I'm talking about the traits of a lot of church people. And a lot of church people, constant trouble befalls them. Their income results in trouble. They fall into constant trouble. They are fearful constantly. They suddenly fall. They are found out. They are pursued by misfortune. They get punished for their rebellion. They don't remain. They earn deceptive wages. They go to death. They end only in wrath. They are overthrown. They will be brought down by calamity. And in their minds, because I'm wicked, God destroys me. And because I'm wicked, God detests me because I'm perverse in God's sight. And then it gets deeper. A lot of church people have what is called the conniving tongue. Those with this speech pattern are filled with wrong motives, gossip, slander, and a desire to twist truth. A lot of church people have what is called the careless tongue. Those with this speech pattern are filled with lies, curses, quick-tempered words which can lead to rebellion and destruction. Curses in this case means wishing evil, pain, discomfort, and a lack of ease to happen to people that you are taught to see as other, otherism, othering, from the standpoint of their being cliquish, clubbish, and clannish, as well as territorial because they're tribal. It gets worse. A lot of church 
people are foolish. A lot of church people lack healthy judgments. A lot of church people enjoy foolishness. They're gullible. They avoid the wise. They feed on foolishness. They pursue elusive dreams. They blame all their failures on God. They are unwholesome examples to others. They are proud and arrogant. They scorn wise advice. They make truth useless. They trust in themselves. They unleash their anger. They inherit folly. They cause strife and quarrels. They receive no good honor. They stir up needless anger. They go the wrong ways. They lash out when discovered in both evil and folly. They endanger themselves by their words, their actions, their thoughts and their feelings. They walk and run troublesome paths. They will never be chosen as prudent counselors. They feel the need to must be must be guided by hardship and they persist in foolishness. And they allow they put themselves in situations where they get beaten. And they're not servants of God. They're not servant leaders. They don't even want to use entrepreneurship to help resolve and solve the ills of the world, which is what social entrepreneurship is all about. They receive punishment because they punish themselves by living by living foul. They do not respond well to the well-deserved punishment that life is giving them because, again, they're addicted to living foul. A lot of church people have these character traits. A lot of church people are foolish failures. They ignore instruction. They hate correction. They think they need no advice. They mock wise people. They lead others astray. They self-destruct by refusing rebuke. And they end in shame in spiritual poverty. A lot of church people accept bribes. They don't help the poor. They don't store up for the future. They're not careful about borrowing. They're not cautious of countersigning for another. They place profit ahead of people and people's needs, and they're not generous in giving. A lot of church people are violent people with haughtiness, lying, murdering, scheming, eagerness to do wrong, false witnessing, and stirring up dissension type of hearts that they possess. A lot of church people are of the way of the wicked, the sacrifice of the wicked. They possess the thoughts of the wicked. They are those who are proud. They are those who judge unjustly. And they are those who are untruthful. A lot of these things do happen in church. 
It's worse. A lot of church people are an annoyance. They chase unrealistic fantasies. They waste good resources. They want much but get little. They have trouble off they have unnecessary trouble all through life. They're like those who destroy. They make themselves go hungry. They won't feed themselves. They won't plow in season. They love sleep and grow poor even though they don't have to. They make hasty speculations. They love pleasure so much that they make themselves poor. They desire things, but they refuse to work for them. They're full of excuses for not working. And their laziness is exactly why a lot of them are couch potatoes who will never try to leave their parents at home. A lot of church people sleep too much, which leads them to be dependent upon others unnecessarily for the rest of their lives. A lot of church people are slaves. Present of the mind, Brother Malcolm X said. Um, a lot of church people bankrupt themselves, not just financially, but especially morally. A lot of church people sleep during the harvest times when they should be working. And a lot of church people cause economic violence and economic injustice happen to themselves because they're unwise with money. They spend way too much save way too little or actually no saving at all. A lot of church people are intellectually lazy, physically lazy, and spiritually lazy. It absolutely gets deeper. A lot of church people don't want this to be admitted, but the church has a history of arson. Assaults, briberies, counterfeiting, drug trafficking, extortions, fencing, frauds, illegal gambling, loan sharking, money laundering, murders, pornography, prostitution, racketeering, robbery, smuggling, thefts, weapons trafficking, human trafficking. And burglaries. Also, Christian Church has a history 
of bootlegging both alcohol and tobacco smoking products. And the Christian church has a history of a lot of church people smoking street marijuana, recreational marijuana, and medicinal marijuana. Okay, here's the part where this is the most uncomfortable part for a lot of church people, but I'm going there anyway. So, a lot of church people engage in foreplay, non-penetrative sex, erotic massages, rubbing all over with or without oil, dry humping, frottage while clothed. This act is common, although not essential, in the dance style known as grinding, foot jobs, stimulating genitals with the feet, hand jobs, stimulating the penis with the hand. In ratio, a form of oral sex where a man thrusts his penis into someone else's mouth, in contrast, fellatio, where the penis is being actively orally excited by a fellator, irimatio can also refer to intercrural sex, interfemoral sex, type of irimation, where one partner places a phallic object of penis between the other partner's thighs. Interglutal sex, where one partner places a phallic object or penis into the other partner's buttock, buttock cleavage or gluteal cleft. Mammary intercourse, where one partner rubs a phallic object or penis between the partner's breasts. Stimulation of nipples, stimulating the nipples, usually orally or manually. Sumata, type of stimulation of male genitals popular in Japanese brothels. The woman rubs the man's penis with her hands, thighs, and labia majora. Tribadism, vulva to vulva rubbing, commonly known by its scissoring position. Frock, penis to penis, rubbing, fingering, stimulating the vagina or anus with the fingers. Oral sex, stimulation of the genitalia by the use of mouth, lips, tongue, teeth, and throat. Mutual masturbation, two or more people stimulate themselves or one another sexually, usually with the hands, and autoeroticism. You have a lot of church people doing all of these types of sexual activities unmarried as well as married even though they're taught that all these sexual behaviors are of the devil they secretly do them anyway they don't care what the church leaders have to say oh it gets steamier a lot of church people have penetrative sex sexual intercourse anal sex penetration of one's Penetration of one person's anus with another's penis for sexual stimulation. Oral sex, analingus. Oral stimulation of the anus or perineum. Cunnilingus, oral stimulation of the female's clitoris, vulva, and vagina. Fellatio, oral stimulation of a male's penis. Masturbation, fingering, anal masturbation. Fisting, involves inserting a hand into the vagina or rectum and sex toys, and again, autoeroticism. A lot of church people do all those other types of sexual activities, even though the pulpit denounces those sexual activities. They do it anyway, and again, they don't care what the pastor has to say. 
lot of church people engage in the sex act called facials, group sex, vanilla sex, conventional sex, unconventional sex, kinky sex, freaky sex, sexual role-playing, BDSM, also known as bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, erotic humiliation, sadism and masochism, cock and ball torture, erotic spanking, bondage positions, BDSM equipment, sexual fetishism, sexual slangs, bareback sex, bouquets, circle jerks, cream pies, cum shots, cyber sex, belching, seminal fluid, rather known as semen, gang bangs, palm pores, quickies, snowballing, teabagging, and the Venus butterfly. A lot of church people are told that they shouldn't do any of these things by the pulpits because of the whole, it, it, it's seen as allegiance to Lucifer, but they do these things secretly. And do they care what the pastor thinks for the third time? I say, how about no? We have a lot of church people who live lives of sexual arousal, touch, erogenic zones, G-spots, even G-spots in the anal area for men. And then you got the smells, the perfume, the colognes, the sights, the romantic settings, the nudity, the sounds, the moaning, the dirty talk, erotic talk, gross talk, love talk, naughty talk, sexting, sexy talk, talking dirty, talking gross, Flirty talk and porn talk, aphrodisiacs, libidos, and sexual fantasies, erotic fantasies. So you have a lot of church leaders saying those are all affiliated with the evil one. But they do all these things secretly. They enjoy them all. They're never going to stop doing it. And... The pastor's feelings mean absolutely nothing to them. You have a lot of church people engaging in sexual stimulation, sexual arousal, erections, clitoral erections, nipple erections, vaginal lubrications, um, anal lubrications, orgasms, full body orgasms, multiple orgasms, female ejaculations, male ejaculations, LGBTQIA plus ejaculation, dissemination of pregnancy, even though a lot of the church leaders stick their finger, no, 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 hurts God, hurts God, hurts God. They do them all anyway, they don't care, and all these sexual activities I outlined to you, they do them all unmarried as well as married. In their mind, none of this comes between me and God in negative ways, so I'm gonna keep on doing it. And that's how a lot of them. I must admit the dark, the, the sexual problems that exist in the church, like, um, in the church you do have, um,
many people who are experiencing sexual objectification, um, especially the Christian women. A lot of Christian women face sexual objectification the most. Yes, there are plenty of Christian men who experience sexual objectification, but Christian women experience sexual objectification the most within the church. And I noticed that a lot of Christian women experience objectification the most, demonization the most, self-objectification the most, and the objectification of social relationships being discussed as deification the most. Um, and I must admit, Christian men experience objectification. Christian men experience dehumanization. Again, Christian men experience sexual objectification. Christian men experience self-objectification. And Christian men experience the objectification of social relationships being discussed as reification. So I didn't want to leave the Christian men out. And yes, let me be honest. We do have a lot of LGBTQI plus people in the church experiencing sexual objectification, objectification, dehumanization, self-objectification, and the objectification of social relationships being discussed as reification. So I wanted to be fair, these things happen in that world of church. So in the church, there is a history, in the church, there are histories of instrumentality, treating people as a tool for another's purposes. Denial of autonomy, treating people as lacking in autonomy or self-determination. Inertness, treating people as lacking in agency or activity. Fungibility, treating people as interchangeable with other objects. Violability, treating people as lacking in boundary, integrity, and violable as something that are permissible to break up, smash, and break into. Ownership, treating people as though they could be owned, bought, and sold, such as slavery. Denial of subjectivity, treating people as though there's no need for concern for their experiences or feelings. Reduction to body, the treatment of people as identified with their bodies and body parts. Reduction to appearance, the treatment of people primarily in terms of how they look and how they appear to the senses. And silencing, the treatment of people as if they are silent, lacking the capacity to speak. All those things are part of church history as well. And yes, the se sexualization happens to women the most. At the same time, there is the sexualization of men and the LGBTQ plus community all occurring within the church as well. And let's be honest, the church has a history of lesbian sexual practices. The church has a history of women who have sex with women, regardless of their sexual orientation. Um, let me be honest about this. Okay. 
we're gonna really be honest. Within the church, commonly women engage in displays of affection, such as kissing on the cheek or hugging. A kiss on the lips, a prolonged kiss or hug, or other forms of touching may or may not be regarded as sexual, but in the church it, it obviously is. Also within the hey and uh, within the church, there's more lesbian sexual practice. Sex educator feminist Sheer Hyde states that one of her female research subjects had written, sex with a woman includes touching, kissing, smiling, looking serious, embracing, talking, digital intercourse, caressing, looking, cuddling, this undressing, remembering later, making sounds, sometimes gently biting, sometimes crying, breathing, and sighing together. Those things happen in the church. There's more that happens in the church. Here we go. This roping before a partner, moving the clothing of a partner, performing acts of physical intimacy, such, perform, or performing acts of physical intimacy, such as the touching of a partner's erogenous zones by the use of hands, tongue, or rest of the mouth, may be regarded as indicators of the partner's desire for sexual activity and an erotic stimulus or turn on sexual arousal, which may generate erotic sensations in all partners involved. Allowing such acts of physical intimacy, especially the stimulation of a partner's breasts and nipples, is an indication of reciprocal, reciprocal interest in sexual activity. Oh, all these things happen in the church. There's more that happens in the church. A woman's mouth, lips, and tongue may be sensitive erogenous zones. They're commonly used by partners during the preliminary stages and throughout a sexual activity, whether for kissing, sucking, licking, or specifically for oral sex. The stimulation of a partner's breast, including oral or manual stimulation of the nipples, to form a foreplay. Breast and nipple stimulation of women is a common aspect of sexual activity. The stimulation of a woman's nipples promotes the production and release of oxytocin and prolactin. During the stimulation of nipples, large amounts of oxytocin are released, which will normally prepare the breast for breastfeeding. Besides creating maternal feelings in a woman, it also decreases her anxiety and increases bonding and trust. There's more that happens in the church. An orgasm includes involuntary actions, including muscular spasms in multiple areas of the body, a general euphoric sensation, and frequently body movements and vocalizations. The period after orgasm, known as a refractory period, is often a relaxing experience attributed to the release of the neurohormones oxytocin and prolactin. Although it is generally reported that women do not experience a refractory period and can thus experience an additional orgasm, multiple orgasms soon after the first one, some sources state that women are capable of experiencing a refractory period because they may experience a moment after orgasm in which further sexual stimulation does not produce excitement. Oh, there's more that happens in the church. Oral sex, manuscript stimulation, and tribadism. Oral stimulation of the clitoris, other parts of vulva or the vagina is commonly practiced between women, like oral stimulation of the nipples can improve the use of teeth in addition to the to use of the lips or tongue. Oral sex that involves the stimulation of the woman's clitoris or other parts of the vulva or the vagina is called cunnilingus. The oral stimulation of the anus called anilingus is less often practiced, but very much so practiced. Fingering manual stimulation involves the use of the fingers to massage a woman's clitoris or other parts of the vulva, the vagina, or anus. Oral or manual stimulation of the vulva, and in particular the clitoris, is the most common way for a woman to reach and achieve an orgasm. Fingering may be self-fingering, one-sided, interpenetrative, or non-penetrative. Massaging inside of the vagina may stimulate a very sensitive area. 
sometimes termed the G-spot area. For some women, stimulating the G-spot area creates a more intense orgasm than direct clitoral stimulation. For deeper vaginal, anal, or oral penetration, a dildo, strap-on, dildo, other sex toys may be used. Tribalism is a common non-penetrative sexual act between women. It's often owned by its scissoring position and is also referred to as frottage or a popular slangish dry humping. It involves a woman rubbing her vulva against her partner's vulva, thigh, stomach, buttocks, arm, or another body part. This may be achieved in a number of sex positions, including a missionary, a woman on top, doggy style, scissoring, or other positions. It may be accompanied by fingering or penetration with a dildo. There's more that happens in the church. Dominant submission and BDSM. On occasion for a variety or on a more regular routine basis, a woman may assume a passive role during sexual activity and leave it to her partner to provide their sexual satisfaction, which, which can also be an aspect of dominance and submission. For example, a person in a doggy style position may be passive and open to a variety of sex acts generally at the choice of the active partner, such as fingering from behind, massage or stimulation of erogenous zones, including the genitals, nipples, or buttocks, and receiving a playful spank to the buttocks. The active partner could also introduce a sex toy, such as a, such as a dildo or vibrator to the vagina or anus. To ensure passivity to enhance the feeling of or actual female submission, a partner may also take part in bondage, such as wearing handcuffs or in other BDSM activities. During sexual bondage, the restrained partner is generally open to a variety of sex acts and cannot interfere in the ensuing sexual activity. She is dependent for her sexual satisfaction on the actions of her partner who can choose to type in pace of the sexual activity and can introduce sex toys. For example, a pecker gag can be used to gag or strain partners while well to require her to suck during sexual activity in a similar manner to an adult pacifier. The active partner has the role of treating the restrained partner as a sex object to be used for her own sexual satisfaction. The active partner may herself derive sexual satisfaction from providing her sex partner with sexual, sexual satisfaction bringing her to orgasm. Those are things about the church that they don't like to talk about, but it indeed happens. Okay. I must this this message that I'm saying is squarely directed at believers. So all the believers who are listening to me. This is tailor-made just for you, and I am not attacking the non-believers and unbelievers when I say this. This is strictly for the believers. What makes Christianity attractive to so many people? It is easy to be drawn to churches because of programs, good speakers, size, beautiful facilities, or fellowship. People are attracted to the early church, however, by expressions of God's power at work, the generosity, sincerity, honesty, and unity of the members and the character of the leaders. Have our standards slipped? God wants to add believers to God's church, not just newer and better programs or larger and fancier facilities. Today's megachurches are babysitting services 
and shopping malls. They resemble kings and queens' palaces, and they resemble the celebrity mansions that you would see in Beverly Hills. They look like elegant airports. And to be honest, they look no different than the Las Vegas Strip. I'm not a fan of mega churches because I don't believe in calling thousands of strangers my family. Because if we're just saying church family, a lot of people in the church are hypocrites. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Why would I want hypocrites to be my relatives? So the term church family is inappropriate in a lot of cases because it's often not true. Do they do life together with me outside of church? No, then they're automatically not my family. Do they do all the things that family's supposed to do, such as come to my birthday party, or I go to theirs, or we eat together, or we socialize together, or we really protect each other, stand up for each other, constructively criticize each other, correct each other, and shape each other, mold each other for the better. No, then they're not my family. Basically, today's mega church is are all about Christianized Hollywood. That's all it is. You're another number, or just a dollar sign. It's all about the furtherance of GOP politics. Even making MAGA extremists feel comfortable. Make America great again, Donald Trump. And churches today, all they do is point out the flaws in each other, in each other's churches, so they can feel better about being hypocritical before God. Justification of self-righteousness is common in churches. Don't get me wrong, small churches have the same problems as mega churches. There's a mega churches have more um, problems in small churches, but the psychology is pretty much the same. I'm not saying all mega churches. I'm not saying all small churches. I'm just saying that these things do happen. And basically, within church, church has turned into a circus freak show. 
life has turned into theatrical Christianity. It has turned into performative piety. And it has turned into entertainment religion. That's why churches today are, a lot of them are whitewashed tombs. They look like trillions of dollars on the outside, but on the inside, they are, I'm sorry about that, my phone fell. <laughs> it's okay, let me get back. Churches today are whitewashed tombs, a lot of them are, not all of them. They look like a trillion dollars on the inside. No, no, they look like a trillion dollars on the outside, but on the inside, they are literally one cent. Trillions of dollars on the outside, but on the inside, they're one cent. They're just a penny. And I have noticed that happening within church. And um, let me read more to you. A lot of people think that, oh, the 3,000 that were added by God in the second chapter book of Acts, that shows God endorses the mega church concept. No, that's a lie. Because quality is not quantity, and quantity is not quality. Sometimes quality can get a large following of quality people. And a lot of times, quality, because it's so small a number, quality usually means that a small size of people will be of the following. There's a so a lot of times human beings try to Christianize quantity. God doesn't do that. God, according to the Bible, Christianizes quality. Be like, no. Uh, uh, many preachers will say this. Small is new big, big is new small. I take it a step further. What you think is small is actually big. What you think is big is actually small. So let me read to you about the, let me read to you biblical passages that this is very concerning to me. So here's my message to believers. Again, nothing I'm saying is about condemning non-believers and unbelievers, but sometimes you have to read biblical commentaries, biblical passages as the most effective way to get believers to pay close attention 
to all of the Pharisaism that is happening within the world of church. Here's the commentary. Um, None of these Christians felt that they had, none of these Christians felt that what they had was their own. So they were able to give and share, eliminating poverty among them. They would not let any member of the body of Christ as a family suffer when others had plenty. How do you feel about your possessions? And as a believer, you should think like this. We should adopt the attitude that everything we have comes from God and we're only sharing what is already God's. In church today, I see that Christians feel, a lot of them, a lot of Christians feel that what they have is their own. Do not, do not, do not, do not, they do let other members of the body of Christ family suffer when others have plenty and even when they have plenty. They feel haughty about their possessions because they're haughty spirits. They don't adopt the attitude that everything they have comes from God and they don't think that they're only sharing what is already God's because we're only sharing what is already ours. They say that, but they don't do that. This, they are very much self-absorbed with their materialism and with all their other blessings too. So here's scripture, it says, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were in one, all the believers were in, all the believers were one in heart and mind. In the church, that is not true. You don't believe me? Research the Protestant Reformation and 24,000 Christian denominations. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. In church, you hear my house, my car, my wealth, my riches. So they don't live by that scripture. But they should everything they had. In church, mm -mm, they don't do that in church. They hog all the blessing for themselves because they think that the blessing make the blessings maker runs out of blessings. Doesn't have enough blessings for everyone to experience doesn't have enough blessings to distribute to people, to everyone. With great power, the apostles need to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They don't really teach that. What they teach is the feel-good religion. Then um, it says, And God's grace is so powerfully at work in them all that there are no needy persons among them. Churches are full of people who are poor, house poor, and working poor. But the pulpits receive regular income. And the pulpits aren't hurting for anything. You can sing for Jesus in the choir law. 
and still experience starvation wages and slave wages. You can be a member of the church in the pews and still live in a shelter, which happens. For from time to time, those who own lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and was with anyone who had need. Yeah, church people, a lot of church people, um, they buy a lot of land for the mega churches, but they don't buy any land for affordable housing for um, people to have more than enough jobs. And they squeeze money out of people when it comes to um, elegant festivities that they want to do to commemorate pastoral anniversaries. And they don't distribute to anyone who had need because the prosperity gospel says, hey, I am into sanctified greed. If you don't have enough, it's because you're not of faith. I have more than enough because God, God's favoritism applies to me. And they don't put the apostles' feet. You know what they do nowadays? Slap dollars on the altar and toss money at the altar while pastors are preaching. None of that is sanctioned by scripture. You won't find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John either. Mm. In church, I'm going to read Four, verses 42-47 I'm just talking to the believers it says the fellowship of the believers they devote themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer I'm going to stop right there and I say in church from my memory um Today's church people devote themselves to to Christianese and Christian cliches that are just said to be said, but they don't know what those words mean. Today's church people devote themselves to running around, running laps around the altar, cartwheels and backflips and doing the twist and doing the butt when they feel the Holy Spirit, according to them, speaking in tongues like the Pentecostal, to driving out demons like the Pentecostal. That's how they think, but... Teachers are still grossly underpaid. Historically, black colleges and universities are still grossly underfunded. Um, 
people with autism are still being passed over jobs because employment discrimination says, I don't want to pay for reasonable accommodations, you're a liability to me. Women are still not experiencing equal pay for equal work. And single fathers often don't get the same amount of attention that single mothers receive. Then it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Let me stop right there. I notice in church, no one has to tell atheists or agnostics to do life together, but pastors have to tell their congregation to do life together with each other. Atheists not to do life together with each other. Unprovoked. They just do it. But you gotta tell Christians to do that. A lot of Christians do that. And uh, uh, sexual abuse survivors like myself, you know what we're wondering? When will the miracle of me coming to church and the pastor preaching about my pain? Not just one time for the whole year, but they're going above me on. Speak to the sexual abuse pain I experienced. Where is that wonder and where is that sign? When will it when will the wonder and sign of a around church people and everything they say speaks to my soul? They they um they take a public stand against organized crime, and they know I went through it as a child. They take a public stand against racism because they know I experienced racism as a young person. They take a stand against ableism because they know this was a discrimination occurred against me. And they take a stand against child abuse and adult abuse because they know that I'm a survivor of those things. When will those wonders and signs be performed by the believers who want to come into my life and want to be those living, breathing wonders, signs, and miracles for me? When will they be those apostles that I can actually feel like it's uncomfortable around me when? Then it says, all the believers were together have everything in common. In church, sad to say, in church, a lot of church people reject the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. A lot of church people reject the silver rule, do not treat others the way you do not want to be treated. A lot of church people reject um, that titanium rule. Do unto others as Jesus has done unto you. And a lot of church people reject the rule of 
what you wish upon others, you wish upon yourself. A lot of church people embrace the iron rule, might makes right. Then it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Do, do most believers apply that to domestic violence shelters and rape? Crisis centers? Sadly, they do not. Every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and joining the faith of all the people, the Lord asked them to number them and praise them and say, Often people like me don't experience Christian making it their business to know us. Often, people like me don't experience Christians fighting with us and for us. Often, they don't allow God in terms of the Good Samaritan parable that Jesus gave to add blessings to our lives. A lot of believers don't add blessings to our lives. A lot of, a lot of believers have insincere hearts and toxic positivity hearts. A lot of believers are the type of people that when I did eat with them, I ate, I had a physical meal with them that may have been tasty. But there was no spiritual meal being shared between us. And sadly in church, meeting together has been about let's make rooms on Clubhouse that talks about dissing people. But we're not going to go to the source of the people that we're dissing because we're better at judging people than loving people and we're better at shredding people than building relationships with people. Those things happen in church and a lot of church people think that praising God means sucking up to God and kissing up to God and a lot of church people prefer the world's favor over God's favor.
Because worse. A lot of churches today overspend millions of dollars on wealthy good speakers. Cathedral, uh, massive cathedral sizes. And jam-packed, elegant programs. But in church, a lot of churches lack generosity. A lot of churches lack sincerity. A lot of churches lack honesty. A lot of churches lack unity of the members. And a lot of churches have leaders with devilish character. A lot of churches overspend millions of dollars on material prosperity facilities. And a lot of what is fellowship is actually, it's a place where we do our routines. Sing, dance, shout, give money, listen to the sermon, go home, and do nothing with it. A lot of churches reject expressions of God's power at work. And a lot of churches are into... We gotta have facilities and programs that are all about put fake sound bites and millions of views even though we lack substance and most of us are milk over meat most of us are spiritually immature very few of us are spiritually mature So, the church has a history of armed robbery. Um, the church has a history of people spending years in prison and people being killed because of the legalized death penalty. Those are other aspects of the church to keep quiet about. And the church is quiet about the fact that the U.S. Constitution at one point would see me as three-fifths of a human being. I would be zero-fifths of a human being because I'm black labeled with autism, child abuse, overcomer, mental health challenges, broken home, and dysfunctional family. 
God didn't make me. To be the child prostitute I was forced to be. God didn't make me. A survivor of child sex tourism. Sometimes I felt like was it possible, did he? That's the question I asked when I was young. I know that, that I know for certain Mark is not the case. And so within the church. You do have um, gay sexual practices. Anal sex. Historical anal sex has been particularly popularly associated with male homosexuality and MSM. Men who have sex with men. Many MSM helped do not engage in anal sex, even though a lot of them did. And may engage in oral sex, fraud or fraught or mutual masturbation instead. Among men who have anal sex with other men, the insertive partner may be referred to as the top, the one being penetrated may be referred to as the bottom, and those who enjoy either role may be referred to as versatile. When MSM engage in anal sex, they'll use an condom, is referred to as bareback sex, even though most men do use birth control methods. Pleasure, pain, or both may accompany anal sex. While the nerve endings in the anus can provide pleasurable feelings, an orgasm may be achieved through receptive anal penetration by indirect stimulation of the prostate. A study by the National Survey of Sexual Health Behavior in SSHB indicated that men who self-report taking a receptive Position to anal sex in the last account where at least it's likely to reach orgasms men who adopted an assertive role. Um, it happens in church. In church, you have a lot of men who have sex with each other, engaging in fellatio, teabagging, analingus using sex toys, intercrural sex, docking, the insertion of one man's penis to another man's foreskin, penis-to-penis contact. Uh, Frock can be enjoyable because it, it, because it mutually and simultaneously stimulates the genitals of both partners as it tends to produce pleasurable friction against the frenulum nerve bundle on the underside of each man's penile shift just below the uni- ur- urinary opening meters of the penis head glands penis. So, and you have men who kiss each other on the mouth. You have men who make out with each other just like women making out with each other when they kiss each other on the mouth. The women do too. So those are aspects of the church that happen. They don't like to talk about. 
and you have lesbian sexual practice and gay sexual practice happening in the church with unmarried people as well as married people. Within the church, you have sex positions. Penetrating partner on top with front entry, missionary positions. Penetrating from behind, doggy style and doggy positions, spoons positions. Receiving partner on top positions. Um, sitting and kneeling positions for vaginal and anal penetration. Standing sex positions, anal sex positions and the less common positions that are hard to do, and a lot of them are featured in porn. And you have sex positions during pregnancy. You have, you have oral sex positions. For example, you have uh, sitting oral sex positions, standing oral sex positions, lying oral sex positions, cunnilingus positions, 69, analingus positions, and um, non-penetrative sex positions like orgasmic meditation, orgasm control, axillary intercourse, memory intercourse, foot jobs, hand jobs, fingering, dry humping, mutual masturbation, genital, genital rubbing. Of course, group sex, multiple penetrations, um, positions to promote or prevent conception when it comes to sex, using furniture or special apparatus, and you have less common positions. Again, those are the ones that a lot of people don't think to do, a lot of other people think to do, and you tend to see them in porn, or they do the research and like, oh, okay, I can do these hard positions, like the pow driver, or the seventh posture burton's translation perfume garden the rusty bike pump those type of things all these things happen in church shocker simultaneous finger in the vagina anus using one hand another example these all things happen in church In church, you have all these cognitive biases, actor, observer, acquiescence, ambiguity, anchoring, attentional attribution. Authority bias, automation bias, belief bias, bias, blind spot, choice supportive bias, Confirmation bias, compassion fade, congruence bias, courtesy bias, cultural bias, distinction bias, Dunning Kruger bias, effect, egocentric bias, emotional bias, extrin extrinsic incentive bias. Extrinsic incentive bias, fading effect bias, framing effects, frequency illusion, 
as some of the examples of the bias, especially status quo and self-serving. So those are some of the cognitive biases that happen in church. And then churches, and then lastly, the church has a lot of logical fallacies. Bad reason fallacy, propositional fallacies, syllogistic fallacies, quantification fallacies, ad hominem, anecdotal, appeal to emotion, appeal to ridicule, argument from repetition, bandwagon, burden of proof, continuum fallacy, etymological fallacy, fallacy of composition and division, false case and false attribution, furtive fallacy, genetic fallacy, incomplete comparison, catalogic. Middle ground, personal incredulity, prove too much, reification, shotgun, argumentation, special pleading, Texas sharpshooter, two, whoa, coup, straw man, slippery slope, retrospective determinism, red herring, proof by verbosity, no true Scotsman, loaded question, inflation of conflict, ink, no ratio, and then shy, gambler's fallacy, false lemma, fallacy of quoting out of context. Fallacy, fallacy, equivocation, circular reason, begging the question, argumentum, ad populum, appeal to tradition, appeal to nature, appeal to authority, and ambiguity. So you have formal fallacies and, inform- and informal fallacies. All these typological fallacies are in the church.